Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into today's message, we want to remind you that if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here in our local community, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can let us know how we can be praying for you this week, get plugged into a life group, you can give online, sign up for a serve team, and so much more. We also want to let you know that you can join us live every Sunday in person at 9 or 11 a.m. or stream our 11 a.m. service live every week on Facebook and on YouTube. Finally, you can find today's message notes in the Bible app. Just tap the link in the podcast episode notes to follow along with us. Now let's get ready to hear a great message today. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So good to see everybody. Thanks for being here on a rainy Sunday. I appreciate you guys coming out. If you are new with us, uh, welcome. We have been in a series on the family. Today is uh, one month in that. But before I get started on that, I want to make just, uh, we need to stop and celebrate for just a quick second. Uh, Today is our fourth year in this building. So can we put our hands together for that? Yeah, so thankful. Um, We had a lot of fun in that old carpet store, but man, it was so hard to park. I don't know if you guys remember trying to park over there. It was awful. So I'm just thankful uh, that the Lord has blessed us with this property. But listen, week one of this series, just to give you a recap, if you're just joining, uh, we talked about love and respect. We uh, addressed that word submit, that taboo word. We talked about it for just a little bit. And then uh, week two, we talked about guarding your heart. And uh, we talked about baggage and what it means when you bring something in to a, a relationship and how to handle that. And then last week, we talked about the power of words and how to build a positive culture in our family just by using our, our words, just a good environment. Um, and then this week, uh, as, we, as I promised you four weeks ago, I'm going to follow through on, on that today, and I'm going to talk about singleness, okay, being single. Now, all of you who are married, you don't get to leave now. You don't get to go uh, down to the, uh, another church or go grab coffee. You get to be the amen corner, okay? So do you guys know what an amen corner is? Okay, you say amen. Okay, let's try it together. One, two, three. Amen. Okay, that's what you get, get to do today. So um, I think that we uh, should be addressing this topic as we've spent three weeks talking to those who are married or aspire to be. Um, today, I want to just drill down just a little bit and talk about a demographic um, that is, is very special to our church, um, especially being in a, in a college town. Um, singleness is something that we have a, a lot of here. And I just want to talk a little bit about what, what Scripture says about that. And um, I always try to, to think through the relevance of, of Scripture before I'm going to talk about something so specific as I am this morning. And as I think about that and think about uh, marriage and family and singleness and aspiring to be, be married, um, you know, we, we think a lot about power couples in the Bible and even though as you hop into those power couples and begin to uh, examine their, their lives, you'll see that maybe one of them was highlighted more than the other or uh, what God was trying to show 
um, or extract or give to us uh, was about one person, but they were certainly uh, together as a power couple. Um, We think of people like Adam and Eve. We think of Adam and uh, or Abraham and Sarah. We think of Mary and Joseph. We think of Ruth and Boaz. But when you flip that and you start looking at singleness, uh, the Bible, of course, is chocked full of powerful people um, who were indeed single. So when you examine the prophetic line, a lot of them were single. Um, there's a lot of theologians believing that uh, the apostles, uh, many, many were single. Um, you look at Mary and Martha, John the Baptist, Elijah, Elisha, Jesus, and the Apostle Paul, which we're going to focus on his teaching today. He was very avid um, and very strong about this topic. He addressed it uh, more than any, any author, and he's doing that from a place of experience. He's talking about his own singleness. And so that's kind of the angle that we, we want to take today. So I'm going to encourage you, if you're in this place and you're single, to just take good notes, okay? You may be like, this applies right now. If it doesn't, it may apply in a month or, or a year from now. If you're married and raising kids, this may be a good time to take note as well because you may use this, especially when you get on into the serious dating years. Uh, you may want to glean from some of the, these notes. So I want to just start by trying to create a, a metric for us to just look at and know what's going on around us. And I want to start that by just talking about singleness within our culture. There's 125 million adults in the U.S. who are currently unmarried. Now that's 45% of the U.S. population, adult population, is unmarried. So 18 plus, um, 45% of them are unmarried. Now 61% of that 125 million have never been married, all right? And then 24% are divorced, 15% are widowed. Okay, so 125 million adults are currently unmarried. Now, statistically, when we look at this, and like any communicator, um, it's tough for me to take a statistic and try to use it to make, make a point. It's really just uh, to give us things to ponder uh, because statistics, a lot of times, you can, you can bend them and make them communicate anything that you, that you want to. But I do want to make a reference to this because it's so strong and it's, so, it's, it's creating a tsunami um, of thought uh, through our culture and within the religious community as well, and that is this: marriage is actually ticking down. So, the rate of marriage um, within—I'm I'm, going to speak about the United States within our within uh, the United States—is is trending downward. Cohabitation is trending upward. Now, you can dissect this. I could spend a lot of time just giving you the research, but. Basically, when you dig in, you're getting um, a lot of thoughts like, um, hey, marriage is hard and it's tough, and so you guys really should test drive the experience of being together for that amount of time before you get involved into a legal binding contract and a spiritual covenant, okay? Now, you would think that this would be culture alone talking, but it's not. 
Okay, this thought process is within the church and within religious communities um, across the United States. As a matter of fact, 85% of adults are now saying it's okay to cohabitate. Now, I will tell you that 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 is culture being influential because it's certainly not Scripture. Where's my amen corner? Okay, there you are. Okay, so so you've got um, culture talking and telling you, hey, listen, marriage is tough and marriage is hard, so just try it. And what's hard is you've got, you even have Christian parents or Christian single parents, and what I mean by Christian is exposed to the story of Jesus and saying, I'm a follower or I, I attend church. You've got that group who's had an awful experience who is now telling their own children, just hit the pause button on, hit, hit the pause button on marriage, and if, and if you've got to be together, you know, cohabitate for a while. Okay, trust me on this one. All right, and so they're teaching that and modeling it under the umbrella of Christianity. Here's the biggest marker of Christianity. Now, culture isn't going to tell you this, so the church has to say it. The biggest indicator of a Christian is that you are following the words of Jesus. Okay, so you, you are not following culture. You're following the word and living that out in a culture. And that's what's really going to be the difference in, in the angle and the approach by which we take this today. But what I want to start with is I want to give you a few types of unmarried people. Now, I'm not doing this so that you can silo and, and say, well, this is the group that I belong in. I'm doing it, again, just so you can think and as you, as you look at your singleness, that, that you can ponder it, you can think about it, you can let the Holy Spirit work on it, and you just kind of know where, where you stand, okay? So it's not a silo, it's just a position. It's just you going, that makes sense to, 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 to me. So the first one is this, intentionally single. So there, there are those of you in this room who are intentionally single. And intentionally single is this, it's, it's a mind thing. It's, it's you going, this is what I feel about myself as I relate to other people. And I, I am choosing to be single because I believe that the happily ever after that is addressed for married people rings out the same way in me for being single. So I'm going to be single, and I'm going to be happy about it. And that's where I feel the most comfortable in my skin and in my life and in my calling and as I follow Christ is to be single. And I want to tell you something. That's acceptable within Scripture. There's honor in that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address that and get, give it to you a, a, a little bit. So these, these are people who have what Scripture is going to call a gift of singleness. All right, now, to tell you that, I'm, I'm going to give you Scripture so that you don't think this is all my personal philosophy. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and let's look at verse 7. Now, this is Paul talking about his own singleness. Paul never holds anything back. As you know, he says very strong things, and this is going to be one of those. So he says, I wish everyone 
could get along without marrying just as I do. That's pretty strong, right? I wish you could all be single. We'd get so much more done if you guys were single. Okay, keep in mind, this is the same guy that said, follow me as I'm following Jesus. That's pretty strong. So he says, I wish everyone would be single. But, he he goes on, we are not all the same. God gives some the gift of marriage, and he gives some the gift of singleness. Okay, now some of you are like, that is one gift I wish I had never opened. Okay, don't want to be single, don't want to play. Well, you're, you're not intentionally single. Hang on, okay? Now, some of you, you don't aspire to be married, don't want to be married, but there's, there's a problem. You've been married 15 years now, okay? And, and so you're not intentionally single either. But some singles are always looking for a potential person to date. And I can spot you because I was that same person. And I would come to church, so church was, was the dating scene for me. I wanted a godly person. I wanted someone who would, who would follow Jesus. And so I would come to church, and I would, I would look. I would see if there was anybody who caught my attention, anybody that I wanted to talk to, and I've seen you. I know who you are. You come to church, and you're worshiping, but you're saying, thank you, Jesus, not because he's the Savior, but because you've seen somebody. And so you're thankful for that. But those who are intentionally single are not looking for a spouse. They are looking for companionship, friendship, community. It's not like they want to be a hermit. It's not like they want to isolate. They just don't want to be married. And that may be you, and so I want to give you permission to go with that. All right, do it. If that's what makes most sense for you, then do it. Be single. Take all the passion and dreams you've got and wear yourself out. Okay, be intentionally single. But there's another group, situationally single. Now, these these are those people who are single today. You want to be married, have been married, value marriage, enjoy marriage, but you are situationally single. And there are a lot of scenarios that could play out here today as to why you're single, all right? So it could be maybe you've never found the right person. Like like you're open to marriage, you're open to seriously date someone, but you've got things on your heart that have to be met by another person for you to let yourself go to the next level of seriousness with them, and, the, and you just can't check the boxes. And so you're just like, you know, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what to do with, with that part, but I'm, I'm situationally single, all right? Maybe you've never found someone that you're comfortable with, meaning this, you are attracted to them, you're attracted to their life or their character, but maybe there's one or two or three parts of their story that you go, I can't do it, I can't get past it. It's something in me that doesn't, it doesn't sit well. Um, there's big theological differences. It just doesn't take much for me to decide that, or to come to a, a conclusion of, Maybe how this will play out futuristically, may not a year from now, maybe not three years, but if we have kids, this this can become a problem. And so as you're thinking intellectually about 
the person that, that you're dating, you start to have this discomfort. And you are situationally single because you can't find comfortability. Maybe you ought to be married, but no one's asked you. So you are seriously dating and seriously dating and seriously dating, and you're like, Valentine's Day comes and goes, birthday comes and goes, Christmas Eve comes and goes, New Year's Day comes and goes, and you're like, when am I going to get asked? And so you feel like this is the one, but you're just kind of paused there, waiting. Maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you're widowed. You are situationally single. Now, I didn't want to create a whole message around this, but I do want to make one statement about it. And that is there are some of you who are situationally single right now because of an abusive relationship. And I will, I will tell you that, that, that God wants you to be safe or protected. And, and so if you were physically abused or abused in that relationship in many ways and you needed to get out, I'm glad that you did. So loneliness can hurt, but don't be desperate. So as I've looked this up this week, again, this is one of those points that could easily come out, and we could spend a lot of time on desperation. So let me just throw out this challenge. Don't be desperate. Be okay with where you are right now in the process, and I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But desperate people sometimes do really dumb things. And your mind gets ahead of you, or you're, you emotionally react to things. A lot of times you're like in, in rebound mode. I got hurt in order to heal. I got to get with the right person. Okay, you meet three of the ten boxes in my life. I'm going to start healing with you, and you hop. This is how we create baggage. So we rebound, 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 and you end up being situationally single, and you're full of desperation. Having a desperate storyline is not what you guys want, right? You never want to be sitting with, with your grandkids, and one of your grandkids say, Nana, how did you get with Papa? Well, I was getting old, and I was running out of options, and so I, your papa was the last guy that I could get with, and you know, listen, baby, he's, he's, he's like the chips, stale chips in the pantry. You, you, you know they're not going to taste good, but you do it anyway, okay? You don't, you don't want that to be the storyline, right, for the, for the grandkids. Don't act out of desperation, Okay, the third column would, would be this, preferentially single. It's a preference. It's not like I'm going to be in this forever as an intentionally single person. It's not a situationally single person, like something has happened or transpired, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm in this place. Preferentially single is a group that could be married if they wanted to, but they are preferring not to be married. And sometimes that's for short periods of time. Sometimes that's for years and years and years. I prefer not to do it. And people can choose to be unmarried for all the right reasons, or they can choose to be unmarried for a lot of wrong reasons. 
And some of the wrong reasons can stick out as some work that you need to do internally, some work that you need to do with the Holy Spirit to let God change and transform your life so that you can marry or remarry as a whole person. Now, let me give you some examples there. Say, Kevin, listen, I've been married, and I've tried that, and now I'm divorced. And I got a fear of failing again or again. And when we, when, we, when we think about this, there are so many scenarios for a divorced person. You can have a storyline that's, Kevin, listen, I was young. We got married young. We had kids young. And we, 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 didn't, we didn't make it two years. And we ended it. I mean, it was just, we didn't have the maturity levels to go into a marriage. It was hard. It got abusive. And we both said, listen, we need out of this. And that's our story. However, there are others who have been married for 30 years, have kids, raised them, and now those kids are adults and giving them grandchildren. And now they're like, listen, you and I are empty nested. We got nothing to distract us anymore from this marriage. And, 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 and I, I can't take you. And that snowballs into a bunch of different things, and I don't, neither one of us have the time to go through all of that. But some of you have experienced that, and so you go, my story is I was married three decades, and I got divorced. And now you're like, you know, I'm still, I'm 50, I'm hot, I'm not, just kidding, I'm making sure that, that you're listening. I'm 50, and I, I, I want to be married but I'm not going to be because I know about it and I know what can happen and I know possible outcomes and I know it can be difficult. And so I prefer, I have, I'm preferentially single. Some of you have been hurt and this isn't even a marriage scenario. This can be a dating scenario. You love somebody. You fell for somebody. You told your whole life story to somebody. You've already been making memories together. Um, in, 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 in the dating scenario. And now for reasons unbeknownst to you, they've moved on. They cut it off. They, they have said, I'm not interested. Something quick changed. And now you're standing there with a broken heart going, what am I supposed to do with this? So the thought of doing that again with someone else causes you to go, no, I'm just, I prefer to be single right now. For others, it may be different things. Like, Kevin, I know what happens after marriage. We, we, we tend to have children. I don't want children. Like, I didn't have, my parents didn't model well to me. I didn't have a dad around, didn't have a mom around. The, the parenting thing for me mentally is, is, I really struggle with it. And I feel like all my confidence would be completely out the window in this marriage when you start adding children. Some people don't want responsibility. So they go, man, am I single? I'm single, I've got it made, I've got my master's degree, I'm in a career that I, I love, and I've got a good rhythm for life. I, I understand that, I was 27 when I got married, I had a rhythm. I had, I had 
a, 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 a rhythm about doing things, and, and I, knew, I knew what my life was like, and I had, I had passions, and so I, I knew what getting married would, would be like. But there, there are some that, that will go, you know, I don't, I don't want a mortgage, and I don't want everything that goes with kids, and kids are expensive, y'all. Come on, amen, corner. Kids are expensive. Yeah, they are. Somebody should have told me that. And then you go, well, now, now, now we got 2.5, 3, 3.5 kids. Isn't that funny how the research is always, they add a half a kid. I don't know how that works. I got 3.5 kids. Now we got to pay for a minivan. I got to send these, send these suckers to college. Man, they're expensive. And you just go, I don't, I don't want all that. Okay. Some people, let's drill down, some people want the intimacy of marriage, but they want an easy walk away. So, again, it's like, I enjoy being with someone, I enjoy being in love with someone, but I don't, I don't want the legal contract or the spiritual covenant. If you lose it today, I want to be able to walk away without this being you know, getting attorneys involved and splitting stuff and going on and having a Facebook breakup. I, I, I want to be able to just tiptoe out of the room with my stuff and move on. Cohabitation. Trending up. So I want to challenge you today with a few thoughts about your singleness because chances are you're probably in one of those three categories. The first one is this. If you're here and you're single, celebrate this stage of your life. Have fun with it. Be okay with being single. Don't be so sensitive about being unmarried. Don't hold your head down. Don't feel like people don't respect you. Because again, desperate people can make some terrible relationship choices. The Bible says it's both acceptable to be married, it's acceptable to be unmarried. There are benefits to both, responsibilities to both. And again, Paul, who was single, is going to tell us about this. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read two verses today and bring them together. Okay, I'm just going to bring the two, the two thoughts together. So in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, and then I'm, I'm going to bring 13 into the telling of it. Paul says this. This is so, so good, okay? Don't, don't let this fly, fly by you. He says, I've learned to be content. Everybody say content. In whatever circumstance I'm in, I can be content with anything. I can be rich. I can be poor. I can be hungry. I can be full. I can sleep in a mansion. I can sleep in a tent. I am content. And then he goes on in verse 13, and we all know it by heart. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Now, this is what I love about this. I've learned to be content. Don't let this pass you by. What this means is this. Contentment is a learned behavior. I can learn it. I can learn to go no matter what the season my life is in, I'm good with it. 
And if you're single, I want to plug that in to what we're talking about today. Be good with it. Be good with the process. Be good with where you are. Be good with the journey you're on right now as being a single person who aspires to be married or not. I am good with it. What you got to realize is that you can do you can do it all. You, you can learn this contentment process because Christ is strengthening you to be able to. I'm good with it. So I'm not going to go through every phase of my life upset about something. Now I'm single. I mean, I sure wish I could find a wife. I sure wish I could find a husband. Oh, man, I'm divorced. I'm in a grieving process because I've lost my spouse early. So I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to look around and live through everybody else's life and, and just make a bunch of wishes. I wish I was like them or I wish I was like them or I wish I was like, like them. you got to be content. Content with where the Lord has you. The Bible says your steps are ordered of God and you are not the one in the driver's seat. You get to enjoy the ride. So take off your shoes, put your feet on the dash, roll down the window, and enjoy the process that God is leading you through. Enjoy being single. Now, I want to take that and I want to move it a step further. You may or may not, not agree with this. At least hear me out before you make a determination. Happiness sometimes is a choice. Like, I'm going to choose to find some joy in this, even though it's not the perfect scenario. Okay? Now, let me, let me explain where I'm going. I want you to go to Jeremiah 29. I'm not going to verse 11. I know that's what, that's what you're thinking. That's the go-to verse for Christians. It's on every, everybody's refrigerator. Jeremiah 29, verse 28. Here's the context. And this is why it's, it's important to know. They are in captivity. This is not their home. This is not their way of life. And it says, he sent this message to us in Babylon. Okay, so they are there in captivity. Okay, do we have that scripture, Jeremiah 29, 28? There you go. Okay, so he says, he sent this message to us while we were in captivity. Keep in mind, while things were not going well, while this was a phase of life we were not enjoying, and he tells us, hey, it's going to be a long time. Now, that's not what you want to hear when you're in captivity. It's going to be a while. But he says this, I want you to build houses, all right? I want you to settle down, and I want you to plant gardens. I want you to make a life here. In other words, he says, I want you to embrace where you are and know that I'm in control. You aren't in, in control. You aren't driving this. You, you belong to me. You have given your life to me. You are following me. You are following my word and not the culture. So have faith that I've got this all planned out. Enjoy it. It may be a while. Build a house. Plant a garden. Settle down. Enjoy it. Don't stay up all night. Don't wring, wring your hands. Don't worry. Don't fret about your body type. Don't sit around saying if I was prettier, if I was smarter, if my parents were this or that, if my story was this or that. No. Enjoy the process. 
build a house, plant a garden, settle down. Okay, can I get an amen? You got to take what you got right now and build a life around it. We don't mope in marriage, don't mope in singleness. Enjoy the process. Terry Nance uh, was known for saying this statement. He says, you got to bloom where you're planted. Wherever God has you, wherever that calling is, wherever that purpose, whatever season it is, whether you are grieving, whether you are, are preferential, intentional, or situational, you got to bloom where you're planted. Enjoy the process. Okay, to echo that, Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to rejoice if I'm single, if I'm widowed, if I'm divorced. Whatever the case is, I'm going to be glad that I have this day with my life to serve God and the people around me. Second, we have to, we have, we have to talk about this. Okay, I'm running out of time. I've only got a minute left. I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm preaching longer than a minute. Guys, listen to me. If you're single today, you got to have some strong conviction. You cannot follow culture and Jesus at the same time. You've got to be someone who loves Jesus first, lives in a culture second. The culture cannot be your loudest voice. We live in a world and we've got to love it and embrace it and go with it and do our best to leave it better than what, what we found it. But our values, our beliefs, the core of us has to come from the word of God. We can't take that from just what's popular or from who's popular. It's got to come from the word as a column of your life. You got to have conviction. And so this is going to this is tough, okay? Get get ready. This is going to be a punch thrown. To be single is to simultaneously choose abstinence. You have to be able to say as a follower of Jesus, if I'm not married, I'm going to abstain. Now we think, okay, here it goes. I mean, this seems like all it's been since I became a follower of Jesus. A bunch of rules, a bunch of don'ts. Let me tell you what it is. It's not a bunch of don'ts. you got to frame this as truly it's a bunch of wisdom. It's guardrails by which we can live because I promise you this. There is going to be a conversation one day with someone who you really love. And you do not want to explain certain acts that took place in your rearview mirror. This is why God is saying this. Be careful with your body. Because one day you're going to explain that to somebody who you really love. Somebody who you want to be with forever. And you don't want to show up with a whole bunch of stuff and then go, are you still okay with all this? Okay, now I got to tell y'all what I'm talking about, and y'all y'all get it. Okay, because I'll have that conversation if I need to. <laughs> this is why he's saying, be careful. Don't do it. Keep it with keep it about that person you love. Make a covenant together. This is what makes it beautiful. This is what makes it holy. This is what makes it pure. So we can either follow Christ on this or you can follow your own wants. 
But I can promise you, you're going to come to a day where this is going to make complete sense and it's going to be so wise to you. And you're going to go, man, this wasn't God restricting me. This was God protecting me. Okay, let me get to the third one. I've only got four points left. No, I'm kidding. This is my last one. Guys, if you're single, take advantage of being single. All right? I, I want to take you to 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to Corinth, chapter 7. And I want to read you one of the greatest things that Paul has ever said about singleness. Okay? This is verse 32 through 34 if you're taking notes. This is what he says. I would like you to be free from concern. He says, an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how to please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife. His interests are, are divided. Married people, can I get an amen? It's not that you don't love the Lord. It's not you don't want to serve. It's not you don't believe in his church. But when you get married, you have responsibilities, and you've got to choose priority, and you've got to do time management really well. He goes on, likewise, an unmarried woman is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in her body and spirit, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of the world, how she can please her husband. He says, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If you are single, you have an opportunity right now to seize a moment, to have an advantage with time and energy and your giftedness like no other time in your life. It is clear that single people can jump all over the things of God. Now, they're, sure, they're, they're our, our, our church is, is a volunteer-driven church. And there are people who serve, and they say, Kevin, you know, listen, this is what I can do, and this is what I'm able to do. There are people who come in who are empty nesters, and they go, hey, we finally got those kids out of here. We're ready to serve our church. So tell us what, what to do. I just can't lift anything over 50 pounds. Tell us what, what, what to do, but I got hypertension. <laughs> but you are loaded with zeal and youthfulness, and you only get it one time. What do you want to do with it? What do you want to look back and see as part of, of your story there? Okay? So single people have a great opportunity to excessively engage the ministry and mission of the church. To Paul, this was a great thing. He loved the opportunity that being single gave him to travel the world and plant churches. Use your singleness to have a spiritual focus. Listen, go on missions trips. Spend the money. Invest it in your life. Do it. Make it part of your story. Go serve a population and an ethnic group that you have, have never been in contact with. Go serve somewhere. Start a ministry. Start a program. Lead something. Start a life group. Do something with that energy that you've got. And devote yourself to preparing for marriage. It's, it's like, God, I want to be, be, be married, but right now I'm single. And so I'm going to serve so aggressively. And listen, this is where you can just relax. If there's one thing I could tell you about singleness, it would be this. Relax. Let God do it. Because listen, while you're preparing, while you're serving, while you're loving God, while you're getting the word in you, and not letting culture be the loudest voice in your spirit, 
somebody else, somewhere in the world, God is also preparing. And he is teaching them and showing them and growing them and maturing them so that one day you can meet and he'll do it. You don't even have to have Tinder to do it. If you want to, fine, but you don't have to. Why? Because God's in control. He's going to bring that person. Single people, listen. He's going to bring the person. Don't be desperate. Don't think God has forgotten you. Prepare yourself for marriage. And God's going to prepare somebody else. All right, let me end with this thought. We lived in Richmond for a short period of time, Virginia, and while I was there, I had a church in Springfield want me to come speak, Missouri, so I flew to Springfield, spoke for the weekend. I was on my way back to Richmond. And I get to the airport at, at Springfield, and our captain, you know, we're, we're taxiing out. The captain warns us. He says, listen, guys, there's, there's a storm across Tennessee and the Smokies, and, and we cannot go around it. So what, what I, I, I want you to know, there's going to be a lot of ascension and a lot of descension in this flight path. We're going to, sometimes we're going to have to get under, sometimes we're going to have to get over, we're going to get to the Smokies, we're obviously going to have to go higher. And I just want you to know it. And you guys know this is not, not what you want to hear when you, when you get on, on the airplane. Things are going to be turbulent. Okay, we've all had uncomfortable turbulence, you know. Like where's, where's this annex? <laughs> and so that's exactly what, what we started doing. We climbed, came down, we went up, we went, and it was un- uncomfortable. And we get to Richmond, and he's told us we're in the Richmond area, and we just start circling. We'd fly a little bit, and we'd bank left, and we'd fly and we'd bank left, and we'd fly and bank left. And I started getting irritated because I was like, just land the thing. And you could see lightning around us. And we over and over and over and over and over. And I was getting antsy. You know, I'm like, I got stuff to do. I'm ready to see my family. Just, just put this thing on the ground. What I realized was that the captain knowing more than I knew about all of it, was waiting for a window of opportunity, a sliver of time to put us in right at the right moment with the greatest of ease and comfort and safety that he could and get us home, land us well. All right, now here's how that small story applies here. Don't rush the holding pattern. Know that our Father is in control and it may seem like you're repeating some things over and over, the same lessons, the same processes, the same stuff, but what he's looking for is the window of time to land it perfectly. So that when you arrive at that moment, you are elated by the work that he's done and the fact that you made it you did it. You're safe. There was no problems at all because he was waiting for the right opportunity. And he's doing the same thing with your life.
He's going to land you well. He's going to do well. He is working something out for your good. So trust him. Okay? Let me pray with you. Father, I love you. I thank you so much.